It's time for JT the Brick. Everybody plays powder puff football with this guy. George Atkinson would come out of the safety position, line up against Russ Francis, punch him in the mouth, grab him to the ground. That's how they stopped him, and it worked. JT the Brick. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, you got to fill up. you got to play at the highest level. You're not going to win in the league. That's all. Just expect to keep doing it because I don't want no love. So we're on top. We're going to remember who the real ones were who had our back. And I love it. This is the Raider way, the only way. The Raider Nation, all that you can hear me. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Friday, first Friday, April Fools in Vegas. Don't have an April Fools for you today. I got a bucket of Modellos waiting for me in about two hours. I'll tell you that. It is a gorgeous day today as we're brought to you by our great friends who fuel the monologue, PT's best happy hour in town, and they are ready to host you for Coach K, for the Golden Knights, for everything that's happening this weekend. We got the Final Four. If you don't have a seat in the sports book, why not go to PT's 5 to 7? You will not get a better deal in town from 5 to 7 p.m. Their happy hour, half price drinks. You can pregame, get ready for Coach K, North Carolina tomorrow night. Happy hour on Friday. And a lot happening there today. Also down at the Strat, if you want to go inside and watch the game there in their sports book. Busy show. Kirk Morrison will join us. Former Raider linebacker will check in next hour. My good friend Ashley from Sam and Ash. She's a sports fan, so she's really good on the radio. And we continue with our look back at the Raiders draft history. Former first-round draft pick in 1972, Mike Ciani will join us. What a career he had. I think he played in five championship games, won a Super Bowl, played in massive games, was a hell of a player, uh, then traded to Baltimore, the Raymond Chester trade. We'll talk to him about being drafted out of Villanova. A lot of people enjoying these conversations because we're talking to legends or former Raiders in a new market in Vegas about the history of the draft, and the draft is later on this month. Just want to lead with the draft because we're going to go heavy on it, and it's going to be an interesting month here because the Raiders don't have a first or second round pick. So that's definitely going to take away from the vibe of this unless the Raiders trade into the first or second round, which I don't know if that's probable or not. I know that there are players on this team that are being evaluated, which means if they don't fit with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, they're going to get traded. Right? They're either not going to be renewed and signed, or they're going to be traded. And if you're going to trade around this time of year, you're going to be trading for draft picks or the opportunity to move up in the draft. I think the Raiders have done tremendously well in the offseason building a new football team. I have 23 guys if I'm off by one or two or there's one that dropped through the cracks here. I don't I recall, but I have a list in front of me in my studio of everybody that's come in, including new quarterback Nick Mullins, who now will compete for the backup position with Garrett Gilbert, who comes over from the Patriots. So we should all know Nick Mullins, who had a fabulous, fabulous debut in the league against the Raiders. I'll get to that. And he most recently played for the Cleveland Browns as Baker Mayfield couldn't play in COVID in that critical Raider game down the stretch that we saw. He was called on for late notice. He filled in for Baker due to COVID protocol ahead of that Monday afternoon game in Week 15 against the Raiders. He went 20 of 30 for 147 yards and a touchdown as the Raiders won that game. And that victory propelled the Raiders to the playoffs. I remember that day on the postgame show at M Resort Spawn Casino. I was with Eric Allen. And I said, the Raiders dodged a bullet. And he said, what do you mean? I go, they didn't let Mullins play. 
If they would have let Mullins play, they could have won that game. Because what was happening there, if you remember, they were trying to run the ball. They were very conservative. And Mullins could make some plays. He made plays with the 49ers. And they basically, do you remember when they ran it on third down? They ran it on third down. If Mullins picks up a first down, they win the game. If he throws the ball in the air. And I remember saying that to Eric Allen. He's like, yeah, you're right. He was 20 or 30 in that game. If they would have let him throw it 40 times, I think they probably could have won that game. It was that close of a game. I recall I recall how conservative Kevin Stefanski got with him, and I thought that was the difference in the game. Raiders made a couple of big plays. The defense got off the field, and Nick Mullins was the quarterback in that game. Also, if you go back to the game that people remember, the Battle of the Bay, as the Raiders played the 49ers, it was week, if I recall, week nine. It was week nine, and it was a Battle of the Bay game, and it was Nick Mullins' first ever game, and he destroyed the Raiders, 34-3, to week nine of Thursday night football. And that's really when the Raiders hit rock bottom in that season. They really hit rock bottom. That game was brutal. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was out for the season and back up C.J. Beathard, too banged up the throw, and then they had the scripted plays for him, And on the opening drive, he had six passes for 76 yards and a touchdown. Game was over. Mullins finished against the Raiders in his debut, his first ever game in the NFL, 16-22 for 262, three touchdowns. His passer rating was 151.9. And what was really cool about that game, if you remember it on TV, they were talking about it on the broadcast by the start of the fourth quarter. He became a household name. He was verified on Twitter during the game. So he got a blue check mark during the game for the game he played against the Raiders. So this is a topic that I want to bring up here right now because, again, we got a bunch of guests today, as always. It's a Friday. I want to hear from you on this backup quarterback topic, which is a big one for me. I love backup quarterbacks because in this league, traditionally a backup quarterback is going to play. Because guys just get hurt. The league is violent. The league is faster. Quarterbacks run more. But Derek Carr does not come off the field. You know, we've had Marcus Mariota here the last couple of years. And I wouldn't call it a waste. But I never supported that move because he was too good. I thought the Raiders should have traded him for anybody. Anybody who could have played on defense. I didn't know why the Raiders held on to him. And we know why they did. They, They held on to him for insurance policy if Derek went down. And Marcus was able to run, and I didn't like the offensive game plan around Marcus because he didn't throw, and I think he can throw, and he's going to throw in Atlanta coming up. And every time he ran, everybody knew he was running. He was very good in the pistol in that read option, and he did have a couple of runs. One big run he injured himself on, never touched by anybody, injured his groin. And I just don't think, you know, if you're going to be a backup quarterback for Derek Carr, you're not going to play. Derek will not allow you to play, which is great. He doesn't come off the field. After Derek broke his ankle in 2016, I think he had the groin injury where he came back and played. Marcus Mariota could have played that last game of the year. Derek wanted to play. Derek had a finger injury. Derek has been really durable and healthy for the Raiders, but you got to have a backup quarterback. I don't know much about what they have at the backup position in Garrett Gilbert, other than that, he knows the verbiage of Josh McDaniels, and he's very familiar with what Josh McDaniels wants to do. Nick Mullins can play. He can make some plays outside the pocket. 
But as we know, Derek's not going to come out of a game unless the Raiders are up by 30. And even if they're down, he's definitely not coming out of the game because he's pissed off and he wants to compete. So how important, Raider Nation, is this backup quarterback to you? I almost bought some April Fool's bait today because I woke up in the morning, this morning, and I saw Cam Newton was rumored to go to the Raiders, and I said, no, no, that can't happen. Cam's had a really good career, but not recently. And I don't think Cam would be a good backup in Las Vegas if he didn't play. If he didn't play and he held the clipboard, I didn't think that would be good. I don't know if that was a real rumor or April Fool's. And then I saw the announcement from Field Yates reporting on the move here of Nick Mullins. And again, I've seen him play a couple of times. I don't think he's the type of guy that can go in and win 10 games for you if something happens that way. But I think he can come off the bench if Derek gets banged up and run the offense. So that's the deal. He gets a little over $1 million guaranteed with the chance to earn up to 2.5. Derek Carr starts with Mullins and Garrett Gilbert behind him. So Raider fans, how important is this backup position to you? And it's a really important question because Derek's been very durable going into his ninth year. But the older he gets, and he should be running more, and I think he's going to run a little bit more because he's had a little bit of success. The backup position is really important. And if you look at the backups in the past here in Raider history, I mean, go back to Ken Stabler. We can go back to the history of who was the backups on this team. It's incredible. Jim Plunkett was technically third string. He was a backup to Pastorini, and he turned out to be arguably the greatest Raider quarterback of all time with two Super Bowls most accomplished there with Snake. And Rich Gannon was a historically backup quarterback most of his career and then got a shot with the Raiders and became an MVP. So this was a surprise today. It's not shocking. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It'll be interesting for all of us here because, and me, and everybody who's involved in the broadcast because he's going to play. You're going to see a lot of him in the preseason because last year Derek didn't play and most of these starters don't play in the preseason. So you'll see him at camp. He'll be getting reps. He'll play in the preseason. You'll be going to preseason Raider games. I would assume Nick Mullins or Garrett Gilbert are going to start in the Hall of Fame game. Let's not forget that. Uh, The Raiders start earlier than anybody else because they're playing in the Hall of Fame game against the Jags, so they start a week earlier. They're going to play in that game and get an extra preseason game. So I think Mullins and Gilbert are going to get a lot of reps, and one of them will be named a backup. The other one might get cut, or they might carry three quarterbacks. I don't know what they're going to do there. But I wanted to bring that up today because it's a little bit of Raiders news. I think it's important because of the degree of that position. And I want to know how durable you think that Derek's going to be going forward in year nine. And that's kind of a weird topic because Brady is 45 and he's very durable. Right? Brady's playing, so why would we be worried about Derek, his durability? Derek's in great shape. He's in the absolute prime of his career. Just started, you know, a year or two ago. He should be in this prime for another three or four or five years. Because not everybody's going to play into their 40s and play at the high level at 39, like Aaron Rodgers, 40s, like Brady. But, you know, Derek wants to play. And Derek is physically fit. Every time I see Derek on TV or in person, it looks like his guns are getting bigger. He's in tremendous shape. They've been showing some video of him golfing. Looks completely ripped. And that quarterback room is going to have Josh McDaniels in it, along with the other offensive coaches, Nick Mullins, Garrett Gilbert, and Derek Carr. Where does this uh, signing get on your radar, Raider Nation? Where do you put it there? 
Where do you have it there? Is it a nothing move? Or do you think this year it could be important because of the violence in the AFC West? The AFC West is going to be more violent this year. It's going to feel like the 70s and the 60s with Bobby Bell in Kansas City. It's going to have that feel of the orange crush in Denver, even though their offense is going to be better. Kansas City always gets a good pass rush every time I go to a Raider game. Kansas City's having Derek Carr run for his life every three out of four games. And then the Raiders have a violent pass rush with Chandler Jones and Mad Max Crosby and the rest of that defensive line. So that's going to be a big deal. So that's the latest news for the Raiders showing again, showing again, don't sleep on the Raiders. They'll drop a deal here and there. And I know everybody else is wondering about some of the other free agent moves, Honey Badger, Odell Beckham Jr., all the other names that are still out there, Calais Campbell, as there are deals now that are in place, but other deals that are not. And I think there's a lot of proud players left in the NFL. And what I mean by that, when you talk about Calais Campbell, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyron Matthews, Stephon Gilmore, all of the players there are getting lowballed. They're all getting lowballed, and they're telling their agent, I'm in Cabo, or I'm working out in L.A. or Arizona. Call me when there's a real offer on the table. Because why wouldn't Honey Badger be signed now? Why wouldn't Stephon Gilmore be locked up? Because the deals aren't worth the money for them. These guys are multimillionaires, and they're waiting for a contract, and they're just going to wait for someone to get hurt on a good team and for the phone to ring, and they're going to get more money. It might be three hundred grand more. It might be a million more. So according to NFL.com, the top free agents available, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, age 30, Odell Beckham Jr., age 29, Stephon Gilmore, former Defensive Player of the Year, 31, 31 years old, Dwayne Brown, offensive tackle, 37 years old, Jadavion Clowney, 29, and Calais Campbell, 36. Oh, and one more, Melvin Ingram, 33. So you're seeing guys in their early 30s or you know, coming up to their mid-30s there that are still waiting for deals as we're waiting to see what's going to happen here. So we open up the show. I want to hear from a Raider fan on the backup quarterback position and tie it in maybe to the history of the Raiders and what this will mean. Also, Q's coming up today. He is going to be at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at Treasure Island from 2 to 3.30. They got great food and drink specials, TVs everywhere, and Raider Nation Radio 920 gear to give out. So go see Q as he is there today from 2 to 3.30 inside Treasure Island at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. I had a great morning today. I went out with one of the great guys in Vegas, Steve Stallworth, over at the South Point. If you don't know who Strip Stallworth is, he's a former backup quarterback for UNLV, the equestrian center, the event center at South Point. I had breakfast with him because our mutual friend David Hum the former legendary Gorman, Nebraska, and Raider quarterback. The anniversary of his death was a couple of days ago, and we get together to talk about Hummer. And it's great because Strip Stallworth, his nickname Strip, is one of the best people I've ever met. Ever met in my life. He just brings energy to you. So he brought a lot of energy to me this morning. We talked about connecting and life and all these great things that are happening in Vegas, all the new sports ventures that are coming to Vegas, what's happened back in the day, some old football stories that he had, which were fantastic. So that was a great morning. Uh, Later on today, I'll be downtown at First Friday 
If you're new to Vegas, every first Friday of the month, there's a big party down there at the Arts District. Cold beer outside. The weather's going to be great. Uh, La Comida, Brian Cranston will be there from Breaking Bad, uh, signing some bottles of his mezcal. So a couple hours from now, I'm going to try to catch the back end of this. My wife's birthday's on Sunday for Raider Nation, who's been with my wife as we've been married well over 20 years, and have my two sons. I'm excited for her. It's her birthday on Sunday, and she's lost her last two birthdays for COVID. If you've had an April birthday, if you've had a March, April, or May birthday the last couple of years, you're either in isolation with a mask on and not allowed to go out or do anything. So we're going to have a good time this weekend. And then the, the draw came out for the World Cup, which I love. Uh, the World Cup, the United States is going to be in the same draw as England. Holy crap. And I always root for England. That's the team that I root for all the time, but I can't root against the United States. So the World Cup in Qatar came out, and I'll just give you a little bit of a background for that. And if you're not up to speed on this, please do. Please do, because you're going to get left out. The whole world's watching the World Cup. All of Las Vegas and every bar and, and outdoor venue is going to have the World Cup on, and you've got to pretend that what's going on, kind of like with F1. F1's coming to Vegas in November 2023. You want to be there. You want to be out on the strip for that event. So kind of do a little bit of homework there. But for the United States, they are going to be in Group B with England, Iran. That's a hell of a group. That, to know that England's going to play the United States in their opening group, that's made for TV. Group C has got Argentina with Lionel Messi going up against Mexico. Group D's got France and Denmark. I think the group of death is Group E, Spain and Germany. Wow. Along with Japan, Group F has Belgium, Morocco, Croatia, and Canada for our Canadian brothers to the north. That's a hell of a group. Group G has the best team, the favorite, Brazil, with Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. And Group H has Portugal with Cristiano Ronaldo, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. So that came out today, and I watched that, and I I enjoyed that. When the United States was picked with England, holy moly, was that big. Also, we have the Final Four. I hope you're doing something for the Final Four. It could be the best sporting event of the year. It could be. If Coach K beats North Carolina in a dramatic game and wins the championship on Monday, I think that Coach K will win the SB, whatever award show they'll be. When they look back at the end of the year and they have the award shows in December, top stories of the year, number one will be Coach K if he wins this. Got to win two more games. I predicted they would win it before the tournament started. I'm on Duke. Let's see if they can do it. The only other story I think could be bigger would be World Cup, but Tiger Woods if he decides to play in the Masters. And I don't think Tiger's going to play in the Masters. If he does, and we find out on Monday or Tuesday, that'll be a heavy focus for the show next week. The Masters, Tiger Woods coming back. Man, I can't wait for that. So that's going to be pretty incredible there too. So Raider Nation, cats shouldn't have your tongue. Got a backup quarterback. We got two now. Which quarterback do you believe is going to be named the backup? Garrett Gilbert, who might have the edge. Why wouldn't he? He comes with Josh McDaniels. He knows the verbiage. He's clearly ahead of Nick Mullins. Or have you seen enough of Nick Mullins to jump in and say, yeah, JT, I saw him play a few times. He looks good. That's the type of guy. Or maybe you were expecting and wanted a more explosive player. Maybe you wanted a better one. 
I heard people talking today on the morning show, Sam Darnold or other high-profile names who are they're cut or they're let go in camp. Do you think that the Raiders are going to have to go out there and do this? Uh, last thing before we begin, 702-365-9200, Mike Ciani at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the Bruce Arian story, which I told you about yesterday, they had the press conference, so we got the sound after the show wrapped up. I smell a rat. Something stinks down in Tampa. Uh, more and more, I believe that Tom Brady nudged Bruce Arians out at the head coaching position. He didn't run him out. Running him out is being vocal and not showing up at the press conference and being vindictive. I don't think Tom Brady's that guy. But I think that Tom Brady did not come back. He came out of retirement only with the agreement from the Glazer family that Bruce Arians would not be the head coach. I mean, it's starting to look that way more and more. Some media members are late to the party on this. They're starting to explore this. Let's go to Arians' press conference yesterday when all of a sudden he doesn't want to be a head coach, and he talked about the timing being right coming off the owners' meetings. When you know it's time, it's time. And no better time than right now. Three years ago, sitting at this podium, we talked about creating a culture, a winning atmosphere, that we're going to do it our way. We're going to be fast. We're going to be physical. and We're going to be smart. And uh, it's paid off. Yeah, it has paid off. They've had a lot of success over three years. Everybody would like a Super Bowl and deep playoff runs. Arians talked about the ride and the success and all the big games and the great players he's had. It's been an unbelievable ride. I'm extremely excited about the future, uh, what, what the future holds for this franchise and for me. Yeah, for him, it's, it's, what's interesting, he doesn't know his role. That's where I smell something wrong. They have no, they have no role for him. They gave him a title senior consultant. No one knows what that means. He doesn't know what it means. He admitted that in the press conference. There are a couple of moments in the press conference where he actually didn't know exactly what he's going to do. He said he could go into the locker room and go in there and he won't feel like he's a cop, like he's the police. That was very bizarre for him to say. But I really think the big issue that put up the warning sign for me is that if he wins one more Super Bowl and they would be one of the high favorites to do it, He'd go right to the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. He was asked about that yesterday. A number of people have already asked, why are you stepping away from the chance to go to the Hall of Fame and win another Super Bowl? Because I don't give a about the Hall of Fame. Secession is way more important to me. This has been my dream for a long time. Guys that know me, they knew I wanted one of my guys to take over. That's more important to me than anything. And have a place where I could go and be welcomed back. I don't give a blank about the Hall of Fame. Really? I do. I never played football at that level. I would never say that. He said that at a press conference. So he cares about the succession of giving the job to Todd Bowles more than putting on a gold jacket in the Hall of Fame. That's interesting to hear. Arians was pushed a little bit about Tom Brady and the focus of the relationship at times could be a little chippy. At all the players who are there, are a few in here. Every one of them's gotten cussed out, all right, including him. So that's just part of me, you know. So that, that's nothing new. But we have a great relationship. I mean, as soon as he retired, I think we text every week. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? When are you going to play golf? Uh, when are you getting back down this way? And uh, so <laughs> people got it right. It couldn't be further from the truth. All right, so he's denying that there's anything with Brady. And one more about Brady coming back. People said, well, I could see if Brady retired, you would walk away. But Brady's actually coming back, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and Bruce decides to shut it down. thought about it after the season, but again, it, it wasn't right. 
going through the combine, going through all that process, um, trying to build next year's team without Tom. And then when Tom said he'd come back, I said, like, now, now it's easy. Now it's easy. We're in the best shape we've ever been. It, it's a, no better time to pass the torch than now. I don't know what February brings, all right? But I know what today brings, and it makes me really happy. So as I said yesterday, here's what I think is going to happen. And if I'm wrong, you know where to find me. I think it's going to happen is it's going to be three or four months from now or when the season starts and we're in the season. And something's going to happen where Bruce Arians isn't happy. He doesn't have the juice. He doesn't have the ability in the building. He realizes it's not his team. He realizes that Brady had something to do with him getting kicked upstairs. And something's going to leak out. Because that's all we did last year was talk about leaks with Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers and the GM, Brian Goodenkunst in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, I'm not vaccinated, I'm immunized. All the stuff started leaking out of Green Bay all the time. But Aaron Rodgers was able to go out and win the MVP. I don't think it's going to affect Brady. But what's going to happen is we're going to look back at this press conference, the timeline, Brady retiring, coming out of retirement, Bruce Arians going into retirement, Brady meeting with the owners in international locations. We're all going to be able to put the pieces of the puzzle together and say, wow, Tom Brady might have flexed his muscles on this deal because he wanted to come back and win. And he was desperate to win one more time, and he didn't think he could do it with Bruce. That's what I'm hearing. That's what my source is thinking down in Tampa. And I've been right about Tampa. I had Gronk and Antonio Brown before anybody going there. I didn't have Bruce leaving because no one did. No one had it, including Adam Schefter and Jay Glazer. So very bizarre week. Very bizarre week as we get going here. Just a lot going on. Monday started off with Will Smith after the slap on Sunday night to Chris Rock. Bruce Arians suddenly retires. Coach K getting ready for the Final Four. Tiger shows up at Augusta. Oh, and I can't forget, Nick Mullins is the new backup quarterback for the Raiders. 702-365-9200. Mike Ciani is going to join us next. We're going to have a fun conversation. Please stick around. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Drake stays in the backfield. They don't motion him out. Foster Moreau's over to the left. They stack three receivers, lobbing it toward Moreau. Got it! How about that touchdown pass? Jackpot, baby! Jackpot from Brett Musburger. JT here Friday, first Friday, April 1st. We continue thanks to the M Resorts, Bond Casino, and the Raiders and their vast alumni department to talk to great Raiders about their draft stories. Now we go back to 1972, round one, pick 21 out of, out of Villanova. Mike Ciani joins us. Mike, so good to talk to you again. Hope everything's doing well. Thanks for coming on. Well, hey, JT, how you doing? Everything is great today. I hope you're doing well out of Vegas yourself. I couldn't be better. Mike, uh, from the times I've been able to hang with you and Phil Villapiano and the guys from your era that always come back, your story really intrigues me. A kid from Staten Island who ends up at Villanova. So walk me through the end of the Villanova run and when you got on the radar of the NFL and the Raiders for that 1972 draft. What's the backstory? 
Well, the, the story is, JT, that, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, Villanova, it's a small college. It's a, it's a basketball school. But at that time, we were Division One, and we were playing a lot of ACC schools, and we were playing – we played Houston one year and Virginia Tech. And um, so we were a pretty good program. Um, and I had some pretty good years. And I didn't have uh, any inkling that the Raiders were interested in me until, JT, until um, playing baseball in a year because I was a baseball player too. And all of a sudden, a guy named Tom Flores shows up at one of my baseball games at wow. Villanova. And he introduces himself and he says, I'm here for a couple of days to work you out. <laughs> okay. And, and Tom, I guess, had just retired from the NFL and was working now as a coach for the Raiders. And uh, so for three days, Tom Flores and I worked out together after a baseball game or even after practice. And he, being the quarterback, he would set up certain patterns for me to run and do this and do that. And he'd have, have catching drills and and so after three days, he he left, <laughs> and uh, that was the last time I saw him until training camp. And at that point, I knew, hey, I got a pretty good shot here. The Raiders may pick me. Mike, how close were you to baseball? I mean, I love talking to athletes about the decision they made. You were a high-end baseball player at that time. Coach Flores knows it. So does Mr. Davis. Hell of a football player. What was going through your mind as you're going to pick a sport for the rest of your life? Was football always in the lead? Yeah, JT, it always was. I, I was probably, um, and I've been told, I was probably a better baseball player than a football player. Uh, but I couldn't see myself playing for a major league team, and I was drafted four times, but I couldn't see myself playing 160 baseball games. I, I thought that at some point it would drive me crazy. <laughs> so I said, I need the excitement. I have the passion for football. And, um, you know, that was my first love. And, uh, and I'm so, so happy and content that I made that decision. What a great decision. Mike Ciani joins us, former Raider wide receiver. So How'd you find out about the pick? We talked to Raymond Chester and Monty Johnson and Fred Bolitnikoff. And, Freddie, you love this. He's telling the story as Mr. Davis is signing him on the field, on the field at the Gator Bowl for Florida State when he has a great game against the Gators. For you, you got a pretty good feeling with Coach Flores working you out. What was the phone call like? Walk me through the selection. You know, I, we, I was in my dorm at Villanova hanging around with a bunch of my uh, you know, football teammates and um, we're waiting for the call, we're waiting for the call because way back then in the olden days, you didn't have cell phones, okay? So we're, sit- we're sitting in a dorm waiting by a payphone, actually. Oh. And the call, the call came in and it might have been um, Ron Wolf who, who mm-hmm. called. And um, so from that point on, I got I got the notice. Um, there were two teams, actually, I thought were going to go after me. The first one, of course, the Raiders, and then the San Francisco 49ers um, needed some help with wide receiver also. But I got the call, um, like I said, in a phone booth, a pay phone in the dormitory at Villanova. And from that point on, um, we... Popped open the keg of beer 
and we partied all night. <laughs> that is great. Mike Ciani joins us. What a story as we look back at the Raiders draft. His draft, 1972, first-round pick, 21 overall. Man, did you come in, Mike, at the right time? You played, what, five championship games, 72-77, to 77, a Super Bowl. And as I'm seeing, you were the runner-up for Rookie of the Year against Franco. And if I'm right, wasn't your first game on the road at Pittsburgh? It was a big one. It, it sure was, JT. In fact, uh, 72, we opened up against the Steelers at uh, Three River Stadium. And then at the first playoff game of, of that year, we go back to Pittsburgh and we play them again in the first round of the playoffs. And, of course, everyone, every fan, football fan in the world knows the play, the Immaculate Reception. And that was the game that was the year of the Immaculate Reception. And uh, if I may, JT, if you mm-hmm. have a minute, yes. let me just tell, let me just tell your, your fans and the Raider fans who I was drafted with that year, okay? John Vella, who was our right tackle in the Super Bowl. Dave Dalby, mm. who was our center right after Jim Otto, okay? Cliff Branch. Cliff and I were drafted together. Cliff's, of course, now a Hall of Famer. Um, Skip Thomas, who's a starting cornerback uh, in the Super Bowl. Danny Medlin was an offensive lineman uh, from North Carolina State. Uh, we had some really, really, really good drafts back then. And the year after I got drafted, I think Ray Guy was number one, and Dave Castle was drafted, and Mark Van Egan, and before me, Jack Tatum. Was Incredible. number one, and Bill Villapiano was number two. Um, so the Raiders had this incredible scouting system, and um, you know it, it was just it was fantastic. It really was. Mike Ciani's our guest. A great organization and a great coach. Great yeah, Mike. Coaches. Mike, this is incredible. I mean, amazing the era that you came into and what it meant with Coach Madden and obviously Coach Flores there before his shot, Mr. Davis and all of that. I, I want to stay in 1972 with Cliff Branch. And mm-hmm. you're playing and you're drafted ahead of Cliff. And right. Cliff passed away unexpectedly. You know he's Mark Davis's best friend. He's getting mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame. I'll see you this summer in Canton, Ohio. What did it mean to come in with Cliff? And was it true? You can tell us you were there because you were a star. He struggled early. And then you got Fred Bolitnikoff, one of the all-time greats, what was it like to catch a bleeping ball? I mean, they're handing the ball off a lot. They got you got great quarterbacks, and there's only so many balls and attempts out there. How did you guys compete against one one another? And walk me through the relationship with the great Cliff Branch. <laughs> well, you know, uh, once again, when you when you come in as a 21, 22 year old rookie into the NFL, especially with the Raiders, you're surrounded by all these great players. My locker, I sat right next to Freddie Bolitnikoff and right next to Cliff. And right across from us was Kenny Stable, Daryl LaMonica, George Blanda, Marv Hart, Banizak, Ray Chester was right there. And so Cliff and I were the young guys, and, and we're in the locker room, and everybody's looking at us. Now, at that time, uh, we had another wide receiver named Warren Wells. Mm-hmm. And Warren was released during training camp. So now we have a grand total of three wide receivers. <laughs> okay, Freddie Bolitnikoff, 
Cliff Branch and myself. Well, nobody's going to take Freddie's job, so Cliff and I battled for the other side. And in that first game in Pittsburgh, Cliff started the game, and then in the third quarter, fourth quarter, um, John put me in, and I had a really good game. I scored two touchdowns, and um, uh, from that point, I started until my third year when I tore my hamstring. So there was that competition, JT, because we were working together. We were working, I guess, against each other also, trying to you know, secure that job across from Freddie. And you knew that you better not drop a pass <laughs> because if you drop the pass, you may not get another one thrown to you. You know, because I said to Kenny Stabler one time, I said, Snake, you're going to get into the Hall of Fame because when you throw it, I catch it. He said, Mike, if you don't catch it, I'm not throwing it to you anymore. Wow. <laughs> Mike Ciani is our guest. This is an incredible conversation. So happy that you can join us. Mike, uh, let's wrap it up with your friendship with Phil Villapiano. As you guys are back east and you travel together and you play golf together, I know you got a lot of friends. You got an unbelievable story in life. But what's it like when you and Fu are just hanging out, having a beer after a round of golf or going to the beach? And you not only have a friend for life, but you have a former teammate who's still got energy like you do. That, that's the type of life I want. I want to be at your age with my best friends hanging out at a country club after a round of golf, going to the beach, having a couple of beverages. I mean, isn't that what life's about, to have relationships like this? Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, when the, the Raiders, I think it was Callie, called me, uh, you know, to do the interview, and they, they said, do you realize it's been 50 years since you got drafted? Like, it's the 50th anniversary? I said, no, I forgot all about that. I didn't realize it was 50 years, but Phil was drafted the year before me. Okay, he's a New Jersey guy. I'm a New York guy. So we clicked right away. We got along right away. And we became instant, like, golfing buddies. We would go out as a team, and we'd have 8, 10, 12 guys on our days off and go out, play golf. And then, of course, we'd have a couple of cocktails afterwards. And we, we traveled together during the off season. We did a lot of things together. Um, and and it, it is. It's unbelievable how after 50 years you still have friends or I still have friends like an Otis Sistrunk or an Art Toms or Dave, I mean, uh, John Vela and Phil. And, and, you know, the list just goes on and on and on. And, and George Atkinson and, you know, it, it, it's tremendous. And, and I guess that's what Mark has done and Al did for us. It's more like a family. The Raiders are a family. And we are. You know, they're my extended family. They really are. Well, Mike, congratulations on the 50-year anniversary of draft, being drafted by the Raiders in the first round. The draft is here. I don't know what your schedule is looking like over the next couple of months, but the alumni love you, want you back. You saw Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones. Let's wrap it up with that. How excited are you seeing this new coaching staff bring in superstar players as the team came off a 10-win season? Yeah, I, I think it's terrific. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I, I only know Devontae from watching him on TV, and he's a tremendous player. Um Hunter Renfro, I've had the opportunity to meet Hunter. Great receiver, great young man, you know, and probably a great guy in the locker room. 
And I'm looking for big, 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 big things this year from our Raiders, JP. I don't know about you, but I think it's time for us to kick the hell out of Kansas City and San Diego, okay? (laughs) Absolutely. Mike, have a great weekend. The fans really appreciate this. We'll put it up at Raiders.com so your family and kids and grandkids can listen to this. And, again, I can't wait to see you. Thanks so much for spending your Friday with us. Okay, JT, maybe I'll see you Next month, Freddie Bolitnikoff's having a golf tournament out there. I'll be coming out for a charity golf tournament. I'm emceeing it. I've done it almost 20 years, so I can't wait to see you. We'll have a great time. Thanks, Mike. Okay. You're welcome, JT. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Wow. Mike Ciani. Wow. I'm just blown away by his answers and what he said. And, again, I'm not great at math, but it's the 50-year anniversary of him being drafted first round 21 overall And a brilliant career. He played in five championship games, everyone. Five. Played nine years in the league. Went to Baltimore, the Raymond Chester trade. That legendary move. And was starting over Cliff. Drafted over Cliff. Uh, Cliff's going to the Hall of Fame this year. Mike got drafted 50 years ago. And he's coming out for the Bolitnikoff golf event, which is fantastic. It's a dream of mine to conduct these interviews and be a part of this organization and talk to these legends. It's such an honor. And I hope you appreciate what these gentlemen have done for all of us. Giving you dreams and memories. If you're down Raider Nation, you know Mike Ciani. If you don't know him, hopefully that interview kind of gets you up to speed. And you get to know him more. And you reach out to him at a Raider game or you see him down the road. Thanks again to the Raiders. M Resort Spawn Casino. Next week we move into the 80s. Whoa. 60s, 70s. Next Monday, we start with the 80s, and I'm going to tease that over the weekend on Twitter at JT the Brick. Again, Mike was fantastic, and what a career and what a life he's had. And uh, again, I'd like, I look up to that life. That's the life I want to have at 71 years old, what he's living the dream there on the beach and hanging out with Phil. When we come back, we'll get back into what's happening today. Uh, the Raiders being very active. They get a backup quarterback in Nick Mullins. Uh, some of the news around the league. A big hour next hour. Kirk Morrison's going to join us. Ashley Watkins from Sam and Ash. Always good to talk to her. And my buddy Aaron Torres from Fox Sports. He's going to tell us about the Final Four because it's the Final Four and this is sports and this is the biggest thing happening this weekend right here on the flagship of the Raiders. And Daniel Carlson is on to put a little frosting on the cake. A little 47-yarder. Jackpot, baby! Let's go to Cincinnati! Yeah, baby! Brett Musburger. Daniel Carlson, you don't have to worry about him making this roster. JT, with you. thanks again to Mike Ciani. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Friday, first Friday here. Hope everybody has a great weekend. We had a big week. We got a bigger week next week. And we continue to build and get you ready for the draft in Vegas. A monumental, historic moment in the history of Las Vegas. History of Las Vegas. It's this month. We're all over it here on the flagship. Also, quick reminder, Q will be at Treasure Island, T.I., in the Golden Circle Sportsbook from 2 to 3.30. 
food, drinks, T-shirts, everything. Go on out if you get this and get to see Q if you can. Stoner Dude, good to hear from you, my friend. What's happening? You know, JT, you've been talking about uh, the situation over there with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and smelling a rat. You know, when it comes to Tom Brady, we've been smelling a rat now since 2001, since from the Chuck game through the deflate gate to even now to this day. It seems like the whole NFL has revolved around Tom Brady's. So I'm not surprised I'm used to it by now. Uh, Nick Mullins, you know, he beat us pretty good in his debut uh, against the, the Raiders when he was a 49er. And I do like the idea of him being a backup. So I wouldn't mind seeing him. I think he will be the backup quarterback. That's just the way I feel. I think he's a talented young dude. Hey, JT, guess what? April 1st, 1976, the release of Rush. 2112, oh. one of the great albums of all time that changed the universe. And I know you got to love that. And speaking of Rock Talk, I'll end it with this, JT. I'll make the, the official announcement. Friday, April 29th for the NFL Draft. Raiderhead will be playing the Black Hole Party at the Tropicana NFL Draft Weekend. We're looking forward to it. Have fun at first Friday, dude. There he is, stoner dude, and I will slide by that party. I got a lot happening that night, too. A couple of events I'll be emceeing here during the draft, and we'll be sliding up and down the strip with our proud sponsors, including Remy Martin, Modelo, all of our teammates here on Raider Nation Radio. Really fired up for the draft. This is right up my wheelhouse. I love the draft. Wish the Raiders had a pick, but not badly anymore because Devontae Adams is here. You would take Devontae Adams over the picks any day. Cisco in Bakersfield. Good to hear from you, my friend. How are you? Doing good, man. I'm first-time caller. I uh, love the show. How are you? Thank you. Appreciate your call. Uh, real quick, um, I used to be a big fan, man. And then I heard you were a Tottenham Hotspur fan. What's up with that? I'm a Spurs fan. I got into European soccer, the Premier League, and I got uh, taught about the sport by an English soccer hooligan who was a Tottenham fan, so it stayed with me. There you go. That's pretty cool. I'm just giving you a hard time because yep. I'm, I'm a big Arsenal fan. There you go. Um, but, yeah, Nick Mullins, I, he, he is a serviceable uh, backup quarterback, um, really good, and I think short-term it, it's pretty big to have him. Long-term, you know, McDaniels talked about <laughs> drafting a young quarterback, preparing them, getting them ready to be our backups, and then maybe trading them away for picks like they've done in New England. So Mm -hmm. I think long-term wise, um, that's a good plan. Yeah. Thanks for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. I agree with you. I think Mullins is a capable backup. The key to being a backup in this league now, in this modern era is the backups got to win games. Used to be your backup quarterback comes in there. Quarterback gets hurt. He's going to come back in there. He's got a concussion in the 60s, 70s. They put him back in. No, no, no. Here you have, if, if Nick Mullins is called on to play five games, God forbid something happens. He's got to win those games. Remember, we're talking about the AFC West now. You can't fall back. So he's got to be whoever the quarterback's going to be, and it could be Garrett Gilbert. If Garrett Gilbert's a guy that they trust to run this offense, if Derek can't go in a game, they have to win. They, you can't shut it down. You can't shut down an offense with Devontae Adams. you got to get him and Renfro the ball. It's not like, hey, we're going to give it to Josh the entire game and bail on the passing game. So whoever comes out as a second-string player better be ready to throw and throw 30, 35 times a game under this Josh McDaniel system. Big Al in San Francisco, where I hope it's a beautiful day. How are you, Al? How's the weather up there? It's not cold, right, in the 40s, but it's not in the 90s. What's it like up there? 
It's like about 65, and there's not a cloud in the sky. It's, nice. it's actually it's actually a very nice day. Little brisk. The wind will the wind as it normally does will kick up at about three o'clock. But right now it's pretty nice. I'll take it. So uh, as I drive down the Embarcadero, going towards AT and T or Oracle Park or whatever they decide to call it today. But I wanted to talk, you know, the Raiders are a team that is, you know, prides itself on commitment to excellence and Hall of Fame players. And you were talking about some of them a little bit earlier in the hour. And I was taking a look at the NBA, um, you know, the NBA uh, Hall of Fame thing that came out yesterday. Yeah. And the NFL Hall of Fame, we all know there's issues with it. We all know Tom Flores should have been in there on roller skates 15, 20 years ago. We all know that Cliff should have been in there. That, that snake should have been in there, and we should, and it shouldn't be the way that it is. But with that, with that is, you know, with all that being said, the NBA Hall of Fame is a sham. Uh, George Carl, really? He, he went to one final and got his ass kicked. Tim Hardaway, I look, I'm a Warrior guy. Tim Hardaway was a nice player, but he never sniffed a final. At least in the, in the at least in the NFL. When they have the Hall of Fame, it's a real, it's a real yeah. Hall of Fame. There's, there's injustices, but this is ridiculous. Thanks, Big Al. I agree. The NBA Hall of Fame. I won't say it's a joke because there's a lot of legends in the Hall of Fame, but it's much easier to get into. The hardest one to get into is baseball's Hall of Fame, by far. Got another big hour lined up. Kirk Morrison's going to join us, everybody. Big show on a Friday on the flagship Raider Nation Radio.